Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, we are right in the middle of the biggest sports week, maybe two weeks in history. We will never see anything like what we have just been experiencing. If you are a sports fan, it has been overload, 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 and we're loving it. Co-host Gina Bacola here on the Mike Abadir Show. Mike, uh, the NHL Stanley Cup was awarded uh, earlier this week. We are coming up on week four of the NFL season, college football. We have now heard announcements that the Pac-12 will be. Um, fingers crossed, everything coming coming back soon. As long as everything uh, continues to go in a positive direction, we have the Preakness coming up this weekend. We have the NBA Finals that just started. Game one last night, Lakers get a big win. And we had round one of the MLB playoffs where we experienced a Wednesday with eight baseball games starting about an hour apart from one another it was like a march madness for baseball and a bunch of these teams have already been two games and done have their season ended and they are eliminated we could have a show that goes five or six hours i think that's what g said this week is going to be close to four (laughs) just going over everything with the guests that i've had where do we start oh man i mean yeah (laughs) you could just it, we literally could have, you know, an hour on each each show. I think yeah. a good starting point might be the easiest one to get through, which is looks like the Lakers are going to steamroll the Miami Heat. Uh, they might get one one game in. The, the Heat, and then the injury. The, and and let, let's say this. The Lakers were were starting to play really well before the injury bug started really bit. Miami and they were a favorite and they were going to be tough in this series anyways but now a Miami team that is they're they're built on a being a team their one through ten is better than yours which means they need major contribu- contributions night in and night out from four five six of those guys is for as much as people always want to say well the Lakers only have two stars and nobody else that's not really accurate and two you know what you're gonna get from those two stars almost every single night and and that's it's gonna be really tough for Miami without Drogic and bam they look like they're both gonna be missing game two and Jimmy Butler has a, a a messed up ankle that he I'm surprised he was even able to come back and play on that without them. It, it will be really, really difficult for Miami. Yeah, I agree. And look over the past, I don't know, 30, 40 years in NBA, you know, that's kind of been the big question, right? Can a dynamic duo, you know, really carry the team without anybody else? And I think the answer, if we're going to be fair here is, you have to have the supporting cast. I don't care who you are, because yep. the classic examples of that are, you know, you, you take a look right now at what's going on with the Lakers. If they don't have the supporting cast, they might look more like the Utah Jazz with Stockton and Malone. They had arguably the best, you know, tandem uh, of all time. I mean, right up there. It's a top 10 tandem, Hall of Famers, the whole nine record setters and assists and scoring, and they couldn't do it. And that's not to say that they didn't have good supporting cast, but it wasn't a championship-winning supporting cast. That's why they never got it done. You look at some of those years, even in Phoenix, there were some really good teams with Barkley and uh, Dan Marley and 
company and they couldn't get it done. So we could go on and on over the years and look at teams that had, how about Durant and uh, Westbrook? Westbrook, yeah. Right? I mean, so you have to have a team to get it done. And, yeah, it's kind of too bad that the, uh, the, you know, the Miami Heat are the epitome of a team. And uh, I don't know if uh, their big guy has been ruled out already or not, but any injuries will not help once you lose one of those 10 guys, for sure. Yeah, and and the Lakers have done what they're – a lot of people don't like the Lakers. A lot of people don't like LeBron. So there were a lot of things. They're they're not deep enough. They're not good enough. They don't have a third guy. They don't have a deep enough roster. Dwight Howard, Rondo. It, we have to say right now, and three we're three games away. The Lakers are from winning an NBA title. They, I mean, all of these guys have taken turns stepping up and having huge moments throughout the playoffs. Danny Green, he'll struggle, and then he'll have last night. He was three for eight. He had a great pass to eight. He had three blocks and two steals. You know, and people kind of laugh and shrug off KCP and Danny Green and Caruso. Those three guys last night scored 34 points. And the one thing that nobody nobody really talks enough about with the Lakers is their defense. You look at, at how good they are defensively. When you've got AD, when you've got Dwight Howard, who's rejuvenated now, LeBron is is playing defense in, in an insane rate, not like he has in the last few years. Caruso, KCP, Green, that's literally their job is to play defense. They're excellent defenders. And then Kuzma has become a very, very improved defender this year. You, when you go through a team and you have seven or eight solid defenders, now all of a sudden you have a really good defense. So for a lot of nights, Mike, where the Lakers might not hit a ton of threes, you know what I know I'm going to get every single night from these guys? Great effort on half on half of the court, right? Mm-hmm. That's one side of the court, and that's what they're going to give you every night. That's why the Lakers have been so dominant in the playoffs. When they struggle scoring, their defense still holds up, and I've been so impressed with Vogel and everything they've done, and LeBron leading this team. And you know, it's not it's not over with. Crazier things have happened. They just got to come out right now. It feels like LeBron kind of smells uh, smells blood in the water. He, yeah, he, I think so. It feels like I, I don't think they're going to get cute and take their foot off the pedal here. He, he was yelling switch at somebody last night when they were about 18 with like five minutes left to go in the game. So he's he's locked in. He's ready. And Mike, I got to say, before we transition from basketball into baseball, football, I have a bunch of other stuff. Last night was probably in the top five. And it might have been the best sports night of my personal life just in that it was so unique for me. To be able to be watching Game 1 of the Lakers NBA Finals at the same time of Game 1 of a best-of-three wildcard playoff series for the Dodgers. Just, this will never happen again. You'll never be be watching these two things again at the same time. And for me, who... Those those two and USC, and then I'm a Rams fan, but for me, it's it's Lakers-Dodgers really over everything. And I love USC too, but those two are, in the last decade, have been the teams I just would, you know, die for as a fan and to be watching those two at the same time and the Lakers up by 30 and the Dodgers play well and get a win. It was, you know, is short of either of the teams winning a title. It was about as close as you could get to that. And it was, it was just something that I'm like the little kid inside of me, the, the sports fan was just c- could not believe what was going on. Yeah. It's the only like uh, either 24 or 48 hours or a weekend. Let's just say that rivaled it. Was I don't remember the exact year. It was maybe 2014, 2015. Uh, probably about. 20, I think it was 2014, where you had the uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, you had the Kentucky Derby, you had the 
Clippers and either the Warriors or the Rockets yeah, in like a game series. seven yeah. or something like that. There was Red Sox Yankees that weekend. It was just one of those things where there was like everything five, fell at the same really, time. Yeah. Really, yeah. Like must see type events going on. And uh, that was probably one of my favorite sports weekends. But, you know, just to, to wrap this up, I mean, like I said, I think that this series is it doesn't have intrigue outside of hardcore NBA fans or Laker fans, especially if uh, Bam and uh, Goran are out. If and you don't hard. have those two guys, then um, it's, you know, now just a matter of, you know, and, is it four or five games? And, and, and absolutely. The next game is huge. If Miami comes out and gets blown out again, I think a lot of people will sort of, when there's so much going on, they will probably lose interest in this. You, you know, well, there's a lot the thing, of. We, t- we kind of touched on this last week, too. I, w- I was saying how the, the one thing about neutral site is you don't have that advantage of being able to give that your team that pep talk, which is, hey, don't worry. We're going to go into our our place, to go our home. comfort zone. We're going to have, you know, now we game get two three. games over there. Or three games natural over there or momentum swing, you know? Yeah, so you don't have that now. It's just like, the best hey, team we got whipped today. We got whipped yesterday. <laughs> and uh, what's going to change You're for right. tomorrow? You're you right. know? That's a That's natural just... swing in a series that we just don't see right now in exactly. the NBA. So this next game is huge. If the Lakers get up by, you know, these two guys don't play, and the Lakers win by 20 and, and get up two games to nothing, then... Um, yeah, with, with football, with baseball playoffs, with everything else going on, it'll it'll the, the interest will start to wane for the non-Laker fans like me. I'll be very happy uh, if they were able to close this out. And again, I don't know. I don't ever want to get too cocky and too ahead of myself. Crazier things have happened, but sure. I, I could not be more um, pleased with the the performance last night. And unfortunately, the the prospects for Miami with some of their injuries just do not look great. But Mike, um, my, my prospects. Know, one, one pick- yeah. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say the, the the funny thing is is this. Because, you know, it's easy to, to – the natural inclination, especially when you're a fan, is to be like, hey, we know what Denver did multiple times this playoff series uh, mm-hmm. and, and the other teams. I think the Heat maybe have come back – whoever, right? Whoever has come back from three to one or from deficits, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing. The deeper you get with the more quality teams that you're dealing with, the less likelihood of That's that type of happen. happening. It you just, know what I mean? I'm not trying to jinx it for you, bro. Just, I'm just saying generally yeah. speaking – the, the more quality of a team that you're talking 100%. about, they don't give up those leads. You're, you're not going to see a, a Mahomes do that um, uh, you know, uh, repeatedly. You're not going to see someone like LeBron let that happen two or three times in a row. It, it just doesn't It doesn't really happen. And that's why it was surprising when it happened with the Clippers. Um, I guess, uh, congrats we, to Doc, by the way. Yeah, Bounce congrats. Not, not long out of a job. He's uh, hired by the 76ers. It's a good spot for him to land, and, and they'll figure out their roster. Um, Mike, I mean... There are a bunch of baseball teams whose seasons are already done, um, already moved on through the baseball playoffs. And the fr- you got to say, it's funny. You, uh, we did a baseball preview on That's What G Said, and you actually picked them to move on. But it was the way they won and the way they moved on. It was like, wow, are there really sports gods if they're going to let the freaking Astros win the way they won and move on? And like the way that the Twins in game one looked like it was tied get a routine ground ball to your shortstop a play that you make a billion times you just throw it to the second baseman and he threw the ball away and of course you know what's going to happen you get a you walk in a run after that and then a base hit and all of a sudden it's four to one and the astros win 
And it's hey, you know what? Credit the Astros in that their pitching performed very, very well. They were able to shut down the Twins' bats, but we see it, we see it all the time. For as as unpredictable a game as baseball is, when you're watching the playoffs and from inning to inning, when one team um, just screws up a major opportunity, bases loaded, nobody out, and they don't score, you can just feel that the next inning, then the other team is going to come and score a run, and and it almost always plays that way, and that's what happened with the Twins. That's also what happened with the Reds. These were two teams that the Reds didn't score a run in two games. Not one run. They had 11 First, first time hits. That, that a team has been shut off for a series. They had, a, in, in game one, they had, a in, in a, what was it, 14-inning game? They had 11 hits. They left 13 runners on base. They had two just abysmal running errors, base running errors, early in the game that would have won them the game. Bauer pitched incredible. The the Braves got great pitching too, but the, the Reds had opportunity after opportunity and just literally ran themselves out of it. So, you know, we, we're looking at a a White Sox A series, which is a is you know about to possibly uh, end right now. And I think whoever wins this series, the the losing team will still feel like they played well. You you can't think that's the case if you're the Twins. You can't think that's the case if you're the Reds. No, you can't. And, you know, look, we, and like Gino mentioned, we, we did our baseball playoff preview on That's What G Said. So if you want to check out our picks, definitely check that out. If you want to hear the analysis, check it out. We spent a lot of time talking about the poor hitting teams in this playoff versus the teams that are pitching stacked. We, for the most part, I think you and I kind of sided with teams that are pitching stacked. Mm-hmm. What I did not expect was, and Max Fried is a very good pitcher. I actually had him in my fantasy team two years in a row. I like the guy. He's really, really outstanding. But I, I wouldn't necessarily put him at the top tier yet. And he's Between had him some injury and questions Anderson, this yeah, year, too. He's, yeah. He was just banged up, so we exactly. didn't know how long he'd be able to go. And then with Ian Anderson pitching today, I mean, you're talking about two guys who really have no postseason success to speak of. They're not proven at all. At all. And so pitching wins championships unless you go up against more pitching. (laughs) And then your hitters have to come through at some point. You can't go 23 innings without scoring a freaking run. And this kind of goes back to in the previous show we talked about the Reds batted 212 this year. 212 for a major league team hitting 212. It's unheard of. So no shocker there that they don't put up any runs. More shocking for the Twins, right? Because they're the bomb squad. Yep. yep. They're at home. And by the way, Houston was 9-23 and on the road this year going into Minnesota. They had everything against them. Nobody wants them to win. And they didn't play well. Like It's not like Houston played well. They just, they for some reason, Minnesota couldn't hit the ball. They, they they, we're not, not talking pitch. about lockdown pitchers. Granky didn't pitch that well. Framber Valdez actually came in and, and, and did did a great job. But it's not like the the Astros were playing well. They just ran into a team that played like less poorly. Than yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to say it because the Twins really did play extremely poorly. I don't know what the story is with Byron Buxton and why he didn't get that start. I think he arrived late. I don't know what happened. It was excused. They put him in as a pinch runner late in the game. By the way, I don't know if you saw this or not. I believe it was in either the eighth or ninth inning, and he got picked off. His head just wasn't in the game. I mean, that would have been huge to be able to get that run home. They couldn't do it. So, you know, even when they had a rare opportunity, they botched it. 
There's a reason that they'd gone into the series O for their last 16 in the playoffs. Now they're O for their last 18. We move on. We talk about some better teams like the Rays. They well, really gave it to the Blue Jays. The Rays just kicked the crap out of a, a Blue Jays team that was a little overmatched. Poor Ryu got absolutely lit up. And um, the Blue Jays tried to hang tough in game one, got blown out in game two. The, the one that I want to get to so we can spend a few minutes on it too, sure. before we get to the break was, Mike, if I would have told you that the Indians were going to score nine runs and Brad Hand was going to be coming into the game, you would have said, what, I mean, did he just need some work? Like, why yeah. is he even in the game? What is it, like 9-2? to two? You know, there's yeah. like... They lose a game 10-9. to nine. We see the probable Cy Young winner in Shane Bieber get absolutely lit up in game one. We see the Indians score, somehow score nine runs, somehow come up with some humongous clutch hits, some weird uh, managerial moves that end up paying off for them. They give the ball to their closer to tie this thing up and get an opportunity to win a, a series against the Yankees and hand comes in and blows the freaking save. I mean, that's another team that's got to be really disappointed with the way they played. Oh, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, th- I don't know what happened. I-, I thought I'd heard that Tito Francona was going to be there. I'm not saying that that necessarily played a huge role into this situation or not, but we expected that Cleveland was going to have lights out pitching just like we expected from the Reds, just like the Braves got, didn't really get it in that Indian series. And uh, they're going home for the off season. Another team that might be very disappointed if they don't get their act together very quickly are the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Who you, are pretty much a wire to wire team. You or, picked or the Marlins. I picked yeah. the Marlins. I picked the Astros and the Oakland A's just, just uh, struck out. The last batter of the game, and they will move on. It's their first postseason series win since 2006. So congrats to the Oakland A's. Yep, they get to match up against the Astros. So So, It was funny. We had in all the first round of the playoffs, and we're about to get set for a a commercial break, and we're going to come back with our first guest, and and then we'll uh, we'll switch to talking horse racing for a bit. But we only had one series where teams had played each other, and now in round two we're going to get Astros A's, who played each other a ton this year, and we're going to get Yankees Rays, who played each other a ton this year. Yeah, uh, both should be really good series. Very good series. Um, yeah, our predictions are pretty good for the most part. Yeah, you know, you've been, you've been that- really good. You've been really good. And the only one that you may have been a little maybe miss is San Diego. And if it's the case that we didn't know the game one and two pitching was going to be, you know, no, no, uh, no lament, no Clevenger. So that definitely would have would have changed things a little bit. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hit some more baseball. But I know we need to take a break and then we're going to we're going to shift to horse racing. Yeah, let's talk some Preakness stakes. Let's talk some uh, Black Eyed Susan, some Keeneland opening day. Hoth- Hawthorne opening day, too, by the way. They've got a, a pretty stacked card in terms of field sizes if you like playing big fields we're not gonna talk too much about that but anyways great horse racing weekend coming up we're gonna take our first commercial break we'll come back and we'll talk to the uber cabber ella star stay with us we'll be right back Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, Mike. We have our first guest of the show. Why don't you introduce him? Yeah, we're going to be talking some horse racing now. Because the Preakness takes us this weekend. So, wait, Gino, I'm kind of confused. Does that mean that the Belmont is in three weeks? <laughs> or is no. it the Breeders' Cup in four? And what? the Derby wasn't two weeks ago, Mike. I no, know, no. man. Well, you know, we got the perfect person to kind of clear it all up for us. The Uber Capper been on with us multiple times before. I think the last time we had him on was right around Kentucky Derby time. Ellis Starr is, of course, who I'm talking about. Ellis, how are you? I'm doing great, and, and, and let me just say it's even stranger because the Preakness is an automatic qualifier for the Breeders' Cup Classic, so that'll just really put it all in perspective. On <laughs> wow, so how about that? Think about this for a second, guys. So the El Camino at Golden Gate was an immediate qualifier for, for the Preakness, the Preakness. <laughs> and Ellis just told us that the Preakness is a qualifier for the Breeders' Cup Classic, so we could see a Golden Gate runner Presumably, I mean, a theory on paper that could be the Breeders' Cup Classic. No, nobody out of the El Camino is running, so you're in luck. Unfortunately, it didn't happen on paper. You know, a theory that could have could have it could have possibly happened. It could have been. Ellis, how you doing, man? I'm sorry to interrupt you here. I was going to say, Ellis, before we get get into some of these cards, what have you been up to, and and what's going on for this stack weekend for you? Oh yeah, it's great with. Freakness and Keeneland starting in just the fall. Well, I'm really excited, first of all, and fans that love Keeneland and love good racing, you got to love Keeneland. Um, I am kind of not co-hosting, but I'm an active guest every day on a show we did in July for the only Keeneland meet called Keeneland at Home with Christina Blacker, and I'm uh, really excited. It's on 12, 15, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Eastern, uh, covering all kinds of stuff. Also, cocktail recipes, all kinds of interviews, cool stuff, Kurt Becker doing Calls of dogs running around the field once in a while, just all kinds of cool stuff. Twelve fifteen Eastern, go uh, just Google Keeneland at home, and there's like five different ways to watch it. 
and it'll be on replay as well on YouTube. Now, do you have to have a subscription uh, for that, or can you just go in and watch it? No, to- totally for all the content at Kingdom free. Free live racing on the Internet this year. All the, the race calls, everything is going to be there. I think they're even doing free programs. I'm not positive, um, but they're having party kits, just great stuff. They started in July, and now with the full 17-day meet, um, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. So that's one thing. Uh, uh, ABR Live, Reader's Cup Live, uh, if you go to americasbestracing.com, there'll be something, I think, 4.30 or 4 to 6. I can't keep track. Um, and I'll be popping on for Black Eyed Susan and Preakness. And then um, doing all these blogs I normally do. If you follow me at Uber Camper, you'll see them. But Amwager.com, Keeneland.com, Daily Pick, as well as a weekly stakes blog, Daily Picks for Sanity and Woodbine. And then uh, this week is one of the rare weeks where I actually do full car detailed selections. I kind of got out of it, but on these days I do it. A lot of people want to know like exactly how I'm going to bet and what I really like. So uh, all every day at Keeneland, small fee, uh, but that's available at echobase.com, full 11 card Keeneland Saturday, 10 card Ten race Friday and the thirteen or twelve races I can't keep track at Pimlico as well. But there's a lot of free stuff out there. You don't have to pay, but if you do want to get some more skinny uh, on that kind of stuff, that's where you can get it. And you can get it all. Just find it. I I put, put all the links on at Uber Capper. And maybe we could tempt you to to kind of give us some insight as to how you will play maybe one of these races as we go along today, perhaps. Uh, absolutely. So where do, you want to, where do you want to start? I mean, on it, like you said, this week, and even if, if you're just a horse racing fan, it's insane. Then throw in everything else going on in the world of sports. But we've got racing from Santa Anita. We've got racing from Belmont with some quality stakes and some quality horses there. We've got opening uh, day at Keeneland on Friday. And then, like always, on Saturday, there's a huge stakes day at Keeneland. And then we've got Pimlico, which has a nice stakes race on Friday. Some really, really, this is one of the best Saturday Pimlico cards I can remember because we didn't really have the Friday undercard. They they sort of kind of just made it a really, really good Saturday. It, it is right. It is really crazy how much there is this week for us to to dive into. No maiden races, no allowance races on Saturday. All <laughs> eleven races are. Stakes races, all 12 races, I should say. The last one's an Arabian race that they're throwing yeah. in as well. Um, yeah, it's just a great card. I think we'll start on Friday. Uh, you know, we talked about covering a bunch of races. We're depending on time. And I wanted to talk about the Stolkeen and Ogden Phoenix, which is a winner you're in for the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Um, for sure, the Shadwell and then the Black-Eyed Susan and the Preakness. Um, and if we have time, we can double back on something else. But I know I can talk, so it may not have sure, let's, time. Sure, let's start with Friday then. Let's start and with Ellis, Friday. can you give us the, uh, for those who are writing, uh, taking notes at home, can you give us race numbers uh, as well when we go through this? Absolutely. I can give you race numbers. Absolutely. I can give you post times too. <laughs> Got along. Oh, outstanding. Um, so this first one is is called the Soul Keenan Ogden Phoenix Stakes. It's a traditional sprint that's a fantastic race. It's race number eight tomorrow. With a post of 505 Eastern, so 205 for the West Coasters. And number four, Diamond Oops, is a strong horse now. He's not going to be a long shot, you know, more of a contrarian, but sometimes you got to you know, play the cards you're dealt. And this is just a horse that is really good. What's interesting, I'll say something. Last year, he had run second in the Vanderbilt Stakes at Saratoga, and he was entered in both this race last year and the Shadwell Turf Mile. And I was really surprised that his trainer went into the Shadwell Turf Mile, which is Saturday this year as well, and he almost won the race at 12-1. to 1. 
This is a horse that can run on dirt and on grass. He can run short and he can run long. He can do it all. He got back in form with a win uh, on Derby Weekend at Churchill Downs on the grass, in which he came from 12th to get up by a neck. Um, he's been working on turf, which he does normally, and on dirt. Um, he's just a tough horse, and his best race is good enough to win. So you got to like him. There's an old pro in the race named Whitmore, number three, who's earned three million bucks. This guy keeps on winning. He's a gelding, so he's going to run until he doesn't feel like running anymore. He was second in this year's Vanderbilt. Um, he ran lousy after that, but that was on a sloppy track he didn't like. We're not getting any rain in Kentucky, so it'll be nice. He was second in this race last year, the Phoenix. He was uh, the winner of this race. in. He was second in 2018, beaten ahead, and he won the race in 2017. So he shows up once a year, and he picks up a big check. And he's a really nice horse. Um, and it's funny, is last year he was second in the race, beaten just a half a length, after running eighth in the stakes at uh, New York in New York, and this year he's coming in off a of seventh, so I'm not worried about kind of a bad race coming into the race. Then there's a little price horse I want to tell everybody about. His name is Midnight Sands. He's number twelve. He's a horse who's a Kentucky bred, but he ran all his races except one in Great Britain and in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, and he won five races in a row from March to February of last year. And people make fun of the class of those races. I don't know where the other. He, he made 250000 so he was pretty good. But when you look at time, and their dirt track is comparable to ours, he ran seven furlongs, and, and Regina will know this. He ran seven furlongs, 123. That's a fast horse. That's just a yeah. fast horse. He came to the U.S. Uh, off a of layoff February to September, and you know he probably was a little bit short, 100%. No matter how fit you try, it's a long time off. He ran third. He got. He actually rallied from third to first in a race at Churchill on Derby weekend, and he got a little tired and ended up third. He's going to be a lot tighter second off a layoff. He gets a top jock in Rosario. And then one more is the nine, Lexitonian, um, who every once in a while puts together a huge race. He's 46 to one in this race last year. He made the lead, gave a lot of people a thrill with an eighth of a mile to go, and he ended up third, beating the nose by Whitmore for second. Um, he went out to California to try and qualify for the it was really interesting. He was entered in the big race of Vanderbilt at Saratoga, and in the gate, another horse got kind of freaked out, and he sat down. And they have a rule in New York when you sat down, when a horse sits down on his rear end, automatic scratch. So they shipped him all the way out to California the next week and ran him in the Bing Crosby, lost by a nose. And then he also didn't like the wet track in New York at Saratoga. So I think he's got a shot. So those are the four I'm looking at as far as playing it. Um, I'm going to key Diamond Oops in Exactus. I mean, key just means playing him in first uh, on top of the three Whitmore, the four on top of the three, the nine and the 12. I might play it the other way because he could run second. But when I do that, I always play for half the amount. So maybe $10 on top, five bucks the other way. And then I'm going to play, uh, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'll just leave it at that. So that is on Friday over at Keeneland in the Phoenix race number eight. We move along. Uh, where are we going to head next, Alex? Well, let's let's go to Saturday, and we'll talk about the Shadwell and then two of the nice races at Pimlico, if that's okay with you guys. Sounds good. We'll go to Saturday, Keeneland. So get those past performances out. We'll be talking about the Shadwell Turf Mile, and that is going to go as, what, race number 10. And race number 10 at 557 Eastern. And as always, this brings out the horses. It's a qualifier for the Breeders' Cup Mile. Uh, it's 750000 
Um, it really hasn't lost any luster. These are really good horses all trying to get into it. And two kind of stick out a little bit, and two others got to be used, kind of like just we talked about in the Phoenix. There's two and two. So the first horse, you know where he's going to be. His name is Halibut. And he's going to be in front because he likes to win that way. He's won three of his last four. The three of the four he won were all in the lead. He was not able to get the lead in the one in between. But when he does, he's tough. Uh, Jackie Luis Saez has been up for all three of those wins. They've all been about just as fast. You know, when I talk about when people talk about speed figures, you can get them in different products. I use the Echo Bay speed figure. But it's just a way to compare horses when they go from track to track. And he's been very consistent, 115, 114, 115 which is some of the best figures in the field. He's got the two posts, so any other horse that might want the lead is going to have to go faster than him, and I don't think any jockey is going to want to do that. So that gives him an edge. Um, it gives him a chance to repeat his race. The uh, interesting comparison is the 2015 Chadwell winner came out of the four-star Dave, was a different horse, happened to be ridden by Louis Saez as well. So there's history for that, and he's by a really good sire named Warfront. He's sitting on a big effort. But there is another strong contender in the race besides the two Halliday, and that's number seven, Flavius, who is a Kentucky bred, and he ran his first three races overseas, two wins in the second in Ireland, came to the U.S. His first race, again, this happens when they come back from a layoff, first U.S., he ran kind of crappy fourth. The next race, he made the lead, and he ran fourth, and then he put blinkers on, and he ran third, ran a huge effort in June, and then his last race was his best ever. And that was a race that was 700000 like this. It was a tourist mile at Kentucky Downs. And for those of us who don't know, Kentucky Downs is a really unique European-style course that goes up and down and right and left. And the run from the stretch to the finish is 5 sixteenths of a mile, and it goes uphill. you got to be a good horse. And he won nicely in that race. And he also got a 115 figure. He's by the same side of Warfront, and he's in the barn of Chad Brown, who has four in the race. Chad Brown's second in the U.S. right now, North America, actually, and always just a top trainer. So those two are the main two. And then a couple at a price we got to use to make some money in the exotics. Uh, the first one's number 11, Ivar, who was a Brazilian horse who just crushed fields in three straight races last year to start his career. He won by two, by six, and by six. He beat uh, 31 other horses in those three races. And then he came to the U.S. first time, Dan Lousy. Second time, he won nicely in June. And then he ran in the same race Flavius ran in. And he set a pace that would have been a pace for a race that was five-eighths of a mile, not a mile. Um, he ran the half mile in 44 and six-tenths, which is just sizzling. And he still ended up third. Uh, really good. Taking blinkers off, which will help him relax a little bit. He's improving. He had a 112 echo base figure, and it was his best. So he's not far from the others, and he's going to be about 12 to 1. And the last one is Raging Bull. Uh, he's made a million bucks. He's 6 for 15. He won a race like this, the Shoemaker Mile in, at Santa Anita in May, and then he shipped to Kentucky for the spring equivalent of this race, which, of course, was the summer, which is the Maker's Mark Mile. He lost by a nose in the neck to War of Will, who was last year's Preakness winner, who's turned into a heck of a horse. And then he just didn't show up in the four-star, Dave. I have no idea why. They're taking blinkers back off, which he wore to three stakes wins as a three-year-old. So great betting race here with the two Halliday, the seven Flavius, the 11 Ivar, and the Raging Bull. And in this case, I'm just going to not mess it up. I'm just going to play an exacta box and a trifecta box with these four horses. And if I can get two to one on Halliday, I'm making a win bet because I think he's going to be tough to catch. 
He's going to be tough to run down. That is Saturday in race number 10 at Keeneland. We move, or that is Friday, uh, that is Saturday at Keeneland. We move to Saturday at Pimlico. Now, when we have uh, yep. a couple of good races to talk about at Pimlico, we only have about five minutes or so, though, um, Ellis. So let's, uh, let's talk um, Black Eyed Susan and let's talk Breakness. Well, Black Eyed Susan is race 10, and it goes, I think, about 501. Uh, and it's a good race. It always is. It's usually a Friday feature. And there's a horse named Mizzen Bow, and, and I did a webinar, actually a webinar out there that I did with Dan and Christina this morning for our Stats Race Lunch product, which people can Google, I forgot to mention. Um, and we had a, basically we had a debate about the pace, and Dan believes there's going to be a lot, and I think Mizzen Bow is gone. Um, wire to wire in the uh, Bison City at Woodbine on the all-weather, which is very tough. Never saw the lead before that in the Woodbine Oaks. Bred to really get this distance. Very tough. So I'm just going to stop with that. And the favorite, Bonnie South, who's going to be the heavy favorite coming out of a second-place finish in the Alabama behind Swiss Skydiver, who's running against the boys in the Preakness. So Mizzen Bow and Bonnie South bring exact to 7 and 5 in race 10. Uh, and Mizzen Bow, probably a nice win bet because I think she's going to be about 8 or 10 to 1. And again, I'm not trying to pick horses on the lead, but you know where she's going to be. You don't have to worry about traffic. Mm-hmm. And you just hope she can hang on. And then the big one, we got the Preakness. Uh, it's a different Preakness this year, but it's a big field. And depending, you know, you got to start with the horse who won the the Derby, and he will be the the likely betting favorite. But he has some some tough challenges. Where do you stand with Authentic? How are you going to play the Preakness? Well, this is really interesting, and I hope you guys. Have, I'd love to hear your opinions as well. I know you know time's an issue, but um, this is our Echo Base Race of the Week, so it's everywhere. And I'm going with a horse named Pneumatic as my top pick. Then our collector authentic, and was Chris Skydiver. I think one of those four is going to win. If you ran the race 100 times, they'd win probably 90 out of 100. There's some other horses in the race that can do well. Pneumatic's the bet because he's 20 to 1. I don't know why he's 20 to 1. He probably is a wise guy horse. He'll be 8 to 1, but that's fine. Pneumatic has improved in every race. Win, win, third, fourth, win. His last one was in the Pegasus Stakes at Monmouth, August 15th. Um, he's getting better with every race. He's got the best breeding. Only two horses have run like this far. Authentic, of course, won the Derby. Swiss Skydiver won the Alabama at 10 furlongs. Authentic uh, didn't run well at 9 furlongs in the Belmont, but he actually improved off his previous race. He's by Uncle Mo, the top sire, Uncle Mo sire, Nyquist, who is a Derby winner. And this horse has everything. He looks ready. As Newsom's the number one trainer in the country with like $11 million in, in money earned this year, and you're getting 21 on a guy like this. Pneumatic fits the bill. He'll be stalking the speed. Our collector missed the Derby with a heel injury. He's come back to work well. He's dominated. He would have never made the Derby in a normal year. Um, dominated in four straight, ridden out and going away in his last two. So that means there was gas left in the tank. And he's got nine furlongs. The extra half furlongs. I mean, no issue for this guy. Authentic, you can't knock him because he's a Derby winner. He's won two in a row, five of six. Uh, so Skydiver, again, can't knock her. Eight of ten, first or second. Her last six, first or second. She's Ran second to Art Collector. They both got 109 Echo Bay Speed Figures. Just as a comparison, Art Collector's Bex is 106. And Pneumatic, by the way, got a 113. So he actually ran faster, if you believe in those numbers, than the others did. And not all Speed Figure makers agree with that. Uh, but the value is going to be with him. So my play in the race, and then get to how I'm going to play it, I'm playing a trifecta of Art Collector and Pneumatic 3 and 10. Over 3, 4, 9, and 10, our collector, Swiss Skydiver, Authentic and Pneumatic overall. It's a 50 cent bet. I haven't added it up. It's probably about 30 bucks. Um, and I'll probably play uh, an exact box with the 3, 4, 9, and 10 
it's not going to be a great bet if Authentic and our collector run one two. But other than that, it's going to be really good. But I'm definitely making a win bet on Pneumatic in this race because I think he's definitely worth the value. And if you guys have questions about any of the others, I'm happy to answer why I liked or didn't like him. Yeah, I completely agree with you on uh, on pneumatic. He's a he's a must use in the exotics to me. And and like you said, you get you look at, at the morning line. He's twenty to one. If he's anything over eight to one, that's where he should have been to begin with. Then that's fine. I, I'm not I'm not going to go. Oh, okay, he's he's undervalued because he probably shouldn't have been twenty to one to begin with. Anyways, he he makes a, just so much sense for a lot of the reasons that you said. He feels like the horse with the most upside that that could be continuing to peak, where maybe some of the others have already shown us their best. And like I think a lot of it has to do with how you felt about Authentic going into the Derby. If you didn't think he was some unbeatable horse, then you probably are trying to not necessarily beat him again, but sort of do what you did, give a couple other horses maybe a little higher of. An opportunity, maybe an art collector, maybe a, a horse like Pneumatic who could be peaking at the right time. So I feel very similar with you in, in how you've uh, you've handicapped the Preakness, and I think the same way. Just just to mention too, like no, you ha- like so much respect for Swiss Skydiver, and she fits with it with these groups. She fits right there with the top yeah. few, and and she deserves you know to be a contender. Absolutely, and to authentic, it came up this morning. Uh, my friend Dan Jordman said, you know, tis the law had run his best race in the Travers. And that's why he couldn't go by Authentic in the Derby. And Dan believes Authentic ran his best race in the Derby. And uh, to some respect, he did. He ran, using Echo of his speed figures, he ran 109-109. And they call that pairing. So when a horse like an athlete, you put two big efforts in a row. Most times they're going to kind of fall off the cliff after that one or really jump up. But this horse has already run his best. It could very well be his best race was in the Derby. And now a month later, it's not. Where you've got a new shooter like Pneumatic. You've got, you know, our collector who was off now. It may be the best thing in the world, but he's been off and missed the Derby. He's not coming back on four weeks rest. And it's certainly possible Authentic is not vulnerable, but he'll run the same race where somebody else is improving. And that's where you get a lot of money, you know, get value in the betting pools. Ellis, oh man, this was so great. That's good stuff, man. We got Friday stuff from Keeneland, Saturday Keeneland, Saturday Pimlico. Um, You've covered so much in just a short period of time, and you got so much more information out there and so much more analysis out there. Uh, Give us your plugs one more time, social media, anything else where uh, we can find you. Well, at Ubercapper on Twitter, everything you get from there, all the free stuff. Um, if you want to get the full card, like I said, Keeneland, uh, 10 races, 11 races, Pimlico, that's at echobase.com, small fee, but the blogs cover a race here and a race there. And then Keeneland at home will be on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Hope everybody will tune in at 12, 15 Eastern, covering some great action to Keeneland. Good stuff. We will retweet all of your plugs and give everybody where they can find you over the next couple of days. By the way, quick trivia. You guys know that uh, horse you were talking about, Ivar. Anybody have any idea where that name came from? No clue. No. That is, it's an old Viking name. Ivar the Boneless was the son of Ragnar Lodbrok, who is the most famous legendary Viking of all time. Oh yeah! Look at that, Mike. I've dropped some boneless. tidbits. There you go. I are the boneless. Wow, Ellis, excellent. You job. are awesome, man. You are the Uber capper. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Definitely appreciate having right. you on. Thanks, Everybody Ellis. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Good bye. Good luck. Bye bye. Okay, Gito. Let's take a quick commercial timeout. I want to drop my Preakness pick right after the break, and then we'll zip right into NFL. Stay cool. with us, everyone. We will be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. No, that was great stuff. Big thank you to Ellis uh, covering a lot of ground in just a short period of yeah, time. Yeah, he's so, been through it, man. You want to get your uh, your preakness play? Yeah, uh, you know, and I like, during the timeout, I was just kind of marveling just at the amount of knowledge encyclopedia that uh, Ellis really is when it comes to this stuff. Not just the horses from all these different circuits coming in, but uh, also props to you, Gino, on that too. Because uh, I was just I was just telling Gino, uh, you guys, on during the break, I'm like, I love it when you take charge of this stuff because having knowledge of so many horses is extremely invaluable. And it's kind of funny because my dad kind of views it the opposite. He's like, the more I know, the more I am drawn to the favorites. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, because there's, because a, it's, there's less bad information it, right? about each horse, right? There's yeah. reasons why they're the favorites. So, you know, um, it's just one of those things like in your head, I think you got to, for me at least, I just build it in. You know, it's one of those like just a weird thing that after a while you just are like, oh, okay, this is a five to one shot. He doesn't feel like that, you know, right. and you you sort of build it in. And uh, yeah, Ellis does a great job, and I really really appreciate that. So yeah, we got to talk some basketball right off the bat, um, some baseball, and so and, we, and real quick to be very previous, it's going to be Astros A's in Dodger Stadium. <laughs> how awesome! Is that? How great! There, there, how many Dodger fans are going to show up outside of there trying to yell at the, oh, the Astros no. or something, and I like know. they're going to be telling them, "You can't get in!" No, no. <laughs> but and by the way, the, so the League Championship Series and the World Series are going to be at Arlington, and they're going to they to open it up to fans. They're going to sell, I think, eleven thousand tickets or something like that somewhere in that ballpark. After so I make a million cool. this weekend at the Preakness, I'm just going to drive. Uh, I'll get a motor home and just drive out there, um, and, and hopefully the Dodgers make the. Uh, just going to ask. You yeah. got some ties in Texas, so I don't hey, want to. I don't want to fly. That kind of still would, feels. I, that's one thing that I really wouldn't still want to do, do for a while. Um, but yeah, I'll just cooped up. You know, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Not for me, especially with my health stuff. But hey, you know what? I'll just go make a million. I'll buy a, a motor home. I'll just drive it out to Texas and have some fun along the way. That sounds really good. Now, if you want to make your million, throw in this horse in the Preakness. I like Thousand Words, Gino. Um, look, cross a line through that Oakland Stakes race in the slop where he stumbled at the start and just couldn't do anything as the favorite. I like 
seeing a horse trending upward in terms of speed figs. I've made the fatal mistake before of saying of dismissing a baffer horse coming out of a four horse field, five horse field. Oh, you know, who how many horses did he beat and that type of thing? I like the Los Al Derby. I think the Los Al Derby has produced over the last few years, really since its inception. And uh, you know, I I've done pretty well taking Baffert's other horse. He's such I think a six fast- to one is you know, I look, I, and I realize when, when you look at the, the resume, it doesn't stack up with some of the top contenders. But I don't know, man. Some, some, you know, call it a hunch play call, whatever you want to call it. There's just something in me that says, give 1,000 words a shot. What's really interesting is, is you know, with, with him, with Authentic, you have art collector, you have Swiss skydiver, and you could probably throw New York traffic into the mix, but the top four betting choices all want to be very, very close to the lead. Yes. So we're, we're I'm just so curious in how that is going to unfold, because something's got to give. It's not going to be four horses lined up across the track dueling. Somebody's going to break slow, not going to get their trip. Somebody's going to end up farther back. Maybe somebody decides to take back. Maybe two, three horses take back, and then it's just you know, I, I don't. I just don't think authentic will be loose. I think somebody else will go after him. I think in particular it's art collector. And what? I'm just so so. In, where is thousand words going to be? If he's sitting right behind them, he he might be in a great spot. And and he it's it just is so strange that he's in this race. I, I feel win or lose, he's going to have a say in this race with with how they decide to handle him. He's just like a fascinating horse. In it, here. Is, it is strange that he's in this race, but have you ever seen Baffert misplace oh, a no, horse? And, and I don't think you know what I mean. No, and I don't think he's you know that's what I mean. He Baffert's yeah, yeah. not someone who gets Derby fever or big like, nah. like, throws horses in these races that aren't ready for them. I, I'm I in my head genuinely trying to map out with those four or five horses how it's going to unfold, and that's one thing I love doing. It is it. I mean, I can see it happening. Any different combination. If you told me that this horse, for some reason, was the one that got the lead and not authentic, and they were all sitting just off, that wouldn't shock me. If you told me any combinations of those, so I'm not completely against him. The only thing I would say is I would maybe want, and and he might, I would probably want close, maybe like ten to one in this spot. I would maybe want a little bit more, and he might be that. I think he might float up a little bit. Be and. It's just he's such a, a question mark. He's a total wild card. I, I would not talk you off so, him. Okay, so when you're in that situation where you're handicapping you yourself, Gino, and you you see four horses, five horses that are speed horse, horses that want to you know stay that are pace not pace setters, flat out they got what it takes to go wire to wire type horses. Okay, do you then look to see who's maybe got the most tactical speed, who's yep. got the most versatility. Yep. What do you do to kind of break that tie when it's hard to play it out in your mind and see them running it any differently than what they've shown on form? A couple things that you just mentioned, the, the, the versatility and price too, right? So in a situation like this, for me, if I think that's going to happen, I don't want the short price. I'm fine playing against authentic on the win end. I'm fine playing pick fours or pick fives that may not have him. That's okay for me. And so I'm I'm playing, and I know we're only about five, four or five minutes, so I'll get through this quick. I'm playing Art Collector, Swiss Skydiver, and 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 Pneumatic as my top horses. And mainly the top two for me of Art Collector and Swiss Skydiver, because of what you said, they're gonna be a little better price. And they've proven they can sit off horses, which mm-hmm. Authentic has not. 
So if I don't, I don't want to have to take him at a short price, having to either work really hard or do something that I've never seen him do. I've seen Swiss skydiver sit third. I've seen art collector sit third pneumatic. I, I think that's one going to be his benefit is maybe the trip that he gets. So yeah, for me, uh, you, so you like three, four words. and 10 boxing three, four and 10. I'm taking and, the five. Yep, and those are kind of my top tiers, but we only have uh, four minutes. Let me quickly give you my NFL plays here for the week. How did you Mike, do last week? I have four of them. I, I, I can't remember exactly. How, I, I know I had two winners. I think it was either two or three or two or four. I can't remember if I gave out five or six on the show. We'll look back, but a couple winners with the Bills and um, and the, the Lions were the two games that I had winners at, but I, I lost a few others. I know that for sure, so we'll, we'll, we'll get the stats on that next week, but for me, the four are... Colts minus two and a half. I just think they're better. I really just think they're a better team than the Bears, who are kind of fool's gold. Give me the Jags plus the three. Give me the Cardinals minus three and a half off their loss last weekend. I think they're going to bounce back and and just really blow out Carolina. And then maybe we go head to head in this game because I'm going to take the Bills minus three against your Raiders. (laughs) No, no head to head there. Um, I think that's going to be a a really fun game to watch. Mm Um, and and uh, probably a high scoring game as what about the, the receivers makers. for the Raiders. You know, and if they don't have enough pieces out there to help the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because Waller hasn't really been integrated into this office so offense so much this year, even with a shortage of hands. You know, it yeah, seems like yeah. you know, it seems like Renfro maybe kind of the hot hand right now. And I think that from a fantasy perspective, it makes it a little bit difficult to to use any of these Raiders wide receivers because they have a lot of talented wide receivers on the team. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, you know, I was kind of like scratching my head. Do I take on Renfro? Do I not? You just can't rely on them because it seems like Carr really fairly distributes pretty evenly. And, and when he has a hot hand with somebody, they got it, that rapport going. That's where he goes typically. So anyways, um, high scoring game, I think nonetheless. For me, Gino, I am going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars getting three points against Cincinnati. I'd like to see the Rook win a game first before um, anointing him the next Dan Marino. I think Burrow has done a really nice job thus far. I like what he's done. Um, but, you know, it, it's one thing to perform well. It's another thing to win in the NFL. So I'm going to take Jacksonville getting the points. Yep, we're both and- on that one together. And that one's I, even a money line for me. It's like plus one thirty forty. I'm fine yeah, with taking the it straight up too. I think they'll yeah. win that game. Yeah, I think the Jags are going to win. And uh, you know, the Bears are maybe the worst three and O team, but doesn't Foles always rattle off a streak when he comes off the bench? He does. I'm I wonder if he just Bears. got it last time in his come off the bench moment, and that might be it. So do we go head to head here? <laughs> yep, we're going head to head. Okay, I'm cool. I think those this is the, the first one this year. Team. Yep, those are the two games that I'm taking. Um, unfortunately, we don't have much time to get into last week's games or our impressions or anything we'll like that. We'll go the stats and numbers next week. We'll get, a, we'll get where we yeah, all are. I went two for two in my games last week. Um, but hey, man, how about Josh Allen? I know you talked about the Bills-Raiders yep. game for a split second. Josh Allen, man, surprising a lot of people and doing pretty well. Gino, that's all the time we've got. We will come rocking and rolling next week. Recap the Derby. Recap the, world's, uh, the NBA Finals. Derby, what am I saying? <laughs> the preakness, NBA baseball, final, everything, right? It's just it, everything. Enjoy a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.